Hey, hey, you're listening to the Level Up Creators podcast. Amanda Northcutt here, founder and CEO. We help digital creators build thriving, sustainable businesses they love, and we are so glad you're here. Welcome. I am super excited to introduce my brilliant guest today because he and I are going to cover a lot of ground, especially on AI and all things email marketing, all through the lens of the creator economy. But before I do, here's a little bit more about my guest, Casey Hill. Casey is a growth veteran with over a decade of experience in helping software companies scale fast. Whether it's garnering millions of views on Quora and LinkedIn or pioneering new growth levers, like booking his team on hundreds of podcasts, literally, Casey is always looking for creative and value-led ways to grab attention and break free from the mold. In his current role leading growth at Active Campaign, he is building organic growth engines to propel the team to $1 billion in ARR, that's annual run rate, that's $1 billion with a B, to be clear. And on the consulting side, Casey also works with some of the world's biggest firms, including firms like McKinsey, BlackRock, Coleman's, GLG, GuidePoint, and others, where he provides institutional guidance to private equity and venture capital teams around topics like SMB marketing, vendor selection, SaaS pricing, SaaS marketing, and CRM tool differentiation, market analysis, inbound marketing, and marketing automation. Welcome, Casey. Hey, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, okay. We talked about growth marketing a little bit uh, earlier in our, our chat, but I think I'd be doing our listeners a bit of a disservice. We didn't talk about your own success, Casey, on social media. Can you share a few examples of growth marketing experience experiments you've run on your own accounts that have produced like major returns in terms of follower count and engagement? Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that we're doing right now at Active Campaign that I'm a huge fan of and we've gotten a lot of velocity is basically an approach that I call layering. So what it means is when I go on to LinkedIn, we attack LinkedIn from a lot of different angles. So I post thought leadership on LinkedIn and thought leadership as I coin it is essentially system agnostic general advice that is valuable to people around the, what I'm doing firsthand. So that's going to be things like growth marketing. It's going to be things like email. It's going to be things in the domain that I operate in, marketing automation. I'm going to try to share advice that the litmus test that I'm going to run through is even if someone's not using active campaign, is this still helpful? And second, is there something actionable in it? Can someone read this and say, oh yeah, I should go try that thing. Should mm -hmm. I go implement that thing? So number one is posting that type of content. And number two is mobilizing my team to do the same. So I want that footprint of our brand to have a bunch of people, to have 20, 30 people from my team all posting. And I don't want them to be just taking blog content and reposting it. I want them to be posting about what they know best. That's going to be different for the salesperson, the engineer, the you know HR person, all sorts of different expertises. I want them to be sharing that kind of information because what I found lands on social platforms is people that share unique information that comes from firsthand experience. Mm -hmm. We are inundated and we're going to get into AI in a little bit. We're inundated with generic content and that is only going to get a hundred times worse in this world where people can just like write a prompt and then just go post that thing. So one of the ways that you stand out is be talking about something that you actually did. You're going to have the details, the nuance that is going to differentiate. So you're starting by posting what I call kind of third degree content, which is system agnostic, general topical leadership, and you're getting your team to do the same. The second piece is that we run ads that are primarily what we call thought leadership ads. So we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier in the show, but instead of just running these ads that are like, hey, go buy this thing. We had this idea of what if an ad could actually be valuable? What if an ad, instead of this very like relationship that's like, go buy a thing, what if the ad in and of itself had inherent value? And so that's where thought leadership, you can go take a post, 
as you said earlier, Amanda, like something that has inherent value already. You've already seen that people like this messaging, but now you can 10x the footprint of how many views, of how much exposure that gets. So the next thing we're doing is we're using paid strategically to try to amplify that message. Now, there's an interesting thing that's going on right now too, just so people are aware, you can actually promote posts from other people. So the only prerequisite for a promoted post is someone needs to have your company name in their job history. So if someone puts your company name and then like say partner, like for example, let's say that active campaign, you put active campaign partner and you set that to present, any post you have will now be promotable by us as a brand. So now we also have the ability to not only run paid to our own employee content, we can actually run paid to our partners. So when someone reaches out, when someone posts and says, hey, I just made the transition, switched, upgraded from MailChimp over to AC, we're like, that's awesome. We would love for that narrative to get amplified, right? And the fact that it doesn't come from us is super important. So, so that is a great way to use paid budget strategically. The third thing, and honestly, maybe the most exciting of all the things that we're doing on LinkedIn specifically is I've been running a campaign called Social Amplification. We've been reaching out to hundreds and hundreds of customers or thousands of customers and activating hundreds and hundreds of customers who are then going to places like LinkedIn and posting their stories, why they came to Active Campaign, what they're using, what their narrative is. And so we've gotten this like flood. We've gone from having very few, like we had maybe two, three posts per week about Active Campaign to now getting dozen plus per week. So the velocity of noise overall in that space has changed in a profound way. So all of that's bundled together to what I call kind of a layered approach and talking with a lot of go-to-market specialists from top brands out there, like talking with Aircall and Calendly and all sorts of different top performing brands. They've actually shared that they think about these tactical swings in very much the same way. Like Aircall shared with me, they're like, we went to New York and we tried to do phone booth ads and subway ads and local digital ads. And we also ran an event and we also... And so there's this idea of trying to layer in these approaches so they all kind of bounce off of each other and create the saturation. Exactly. So that I think is an example of something that has driven a lot of impact. We use a tool called Hockey Stack that gives us some attribution. And we've seen that 2000 plus incoming trials have been influenced by the organic LinkedIn work that we're doing, which is pretty phenomenal. So we've seen, we've seen a powerful footprint, um, from that type of content. The other thing I'll say, which kind of speaks to some of the things that we were talking about earlier is, I'm very keen on working with partners, working with partners to create content, working on partners to create owned assets, and then having that kind of like go-to-market plan with another team. You're both bringing an audience to the table. You both have a vested interest in that thing. And we could spend a whole other episode on like how to think about partners, how to select the right partners. But at a base level, I think finding folks that not only share your ICP, but are also committed to using resources or committing to getting creative, don't undervalue how important that side it is, that side of it is. Because I would take that person with a slightly smaller audience who's super engaged, who's willing to kind of like creatively ideate and do all those different steps over just a passive like, oh, we'll put you as like a passive mention in this like place that gets a lot of traffic, but there's nothing differentiating about it. I'll take the active person all day. So that's another, I think, thing that has been super important to the success that I've seen over the last many brands that I've worked with has been using partners as a key part of that go-to-market strategy to amplify. 
Yeah. And that translates so seamlessly to creators and influencers uh, because like in the B2B or business to business world, we're talking about partnering up with other businesses to amplify each other, share audiences, grow the owned audience um, accounts and everything like that. And um, I totally forgot my train of thought. Kyle, you got to edit this part out. Hold on. Um, <laughs> Kyle's my son or my 13 year old who does our editing. Nice. Oh, dang it. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Here we go. <clears throat> Yeah, and that translates so clearly from the B2B or business-to-business world to the creator economy, because in the B2B world, we're trying to collaborate with other businesses, we're sharing audience, we're growing our owned audience, right, our owned audience, um, and email lists and things like that. But in the creator economy, that translates to just creator and influencer collaborations, right? So find your peers, find who um, is in your ecosystem, so to speak, but a non-competitor. So they're going after that same ICP or customer persona, but they're not competing directly with you. They have more of like a complimentary, they're in a complimentary space. Share brands uh, or share collaborations, do collaborations. I cannot talk today apparently, but um, do collabs with, with those people, do audience sharing with those people, do co-marketing, build products together, uh, come up with product bundles. You know, like if you are a paleo meal planner, collaborate with somebody who puts together CrossFit uh, workouts or something like that and sell like a you know a New Year's resolution bundle or something like that. So there's, uh, again, like kind of RPOV at level up is I started in memberships 20 years ago, was in that world for a decade, left for a decade, and now I've come back and I'm taking all of my like B2B and SaaS learnings and, and layering them on to the creator economy in like you know, not too much, not too little kind of a way. It's exactly what you need to know um, to level up from, you know, being that solopreneur content creator to like, our first and foremost goal is to get creators to 50K in recurring revenue each and every month. And so collaborations is a really, really big part of that so that you can continuously grow your audience. Even if you have a lot of followers, there's still more to have to, to feed that top of funnel. And then we help you uh, bring those rented audiences into, you know, your your email marketing software and, own them, right? And then sell them again, all of your amazing stuff. Absolutely. And I think that I find that the number one barrier or challenge I find with creators from my experience is the trust barrier. So the mm -hmm. trust barrier, meaning that when you launch that new thing, especially if you're earlier stage, you might build your own audience that kind of knows you and trusts you. But outside of that bubble, that's the major thing you're contending with. You're not a big known brand across the industry. And so you're mm -hmm. having to say like, how do I create trust? Well, Again, when you work with partners that have trust, when I analyze all the folks you've worked with and I ask, I ask myself, why was Pat Flynn specifically, you've, you've heard me name drop him a couple times, he was such a powerful partner for us during my Bonjoro days where I worked before, mm -hmm. he drove us over half a million dollars in basically like customer accounts and revenue. And I ask, why was he such a powerful partner? Because he had a very high degree of trust. At a fundamental level, it was he had a very high degree of trust with his audience. So when he started to use something, when he talked authentically about how he was essentially using, it wasn't a paid relationship at all. We didn't pay him for any of you know him talking about it, but we just built a relationship over time. We hopped on his podcast. We had conversations. Mm -hmm. Like It was just something that naturally grew. But I think that's something that is the number one challenge that most early stage creators have to face is how to create trust. And so connecting yourselves with these other points of established trust, I think is a really smart play. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hitching your wagon to the right people. Definitely, definitely, definitely. 
a good one. Okay. I feel like we're on a variety show today because I'm totally going to shift the conversation again, but you're uh, such a, you know, a wealth of knowledge and I wanted to cover like a lot of different topics. So let's talk about AI. This is the hottest and most important thing happening from a technological perspective in the entire world. Uh, at this point, still, you know, wide open playing field, tons of unknowns. There's a lot of like fear mongering and disinformation floating around questions about how it will be regulated and on and on and on and on. But let's kind of cut through the noise and talk about how creators and online business owners specifically might consider thinking about AI as it relates to their business and personal productivity and efficiency. So Casey, yeah. what's your take on the state of AI right now as it relates to the future of say, you know, email marketing and marketing automation? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'll, I'll, I want to start by how I, both as a creator and as someone in the B2B space, um, kind of have used AI effectively through my own experience. So the first thing is I use AI as a research tool. I use AI as a way to get key insights. For instance, let's say that I am I have a conversation with a founder and I really start thinking about feature bloat. I'm like, we have a major problem with feature bloat. Feature bloat, all these companies, they have so many features, it's so bloated. So I go to a tool like ChatGPT and I say, who else is talking about feature bloat? And I can ask it very specifically, what Fortune 500 companies are talking about it, what creators are talking about it. And it can actually spit out stuff that is as specific as, it was talked about on this podcast. It was talked about at this event. It was talked about and there's a little bit of fact checking. I'll put this out there. You need to make sure before you post any research from ChatGPT, do your homework. What I would do is when it said it was mentioned on this podcast, I would go check that podcast and make sure because mm -hmm. that is an important step. Most of the time, from my experience, it has been accurate, but I know a lot of stories, a lot of coworkers and people that I've worked with who've done those fact checks and it just like made up statistics. So a, a note of caution, AI can yeah. be a confident liar, but I think it can be an incredible accelerant to get information and to bolster your arguments with data. So one of the things that's really, really important when you're trying to build trust is you want data, you want specifics. You don't want to just be saying generic statements. So how do you source that specific data very quickly? A perfect example of that can be ChatGPT. So when I write stories on my social, from personal experience, I will often reference ChatGPT as a way, like let's say I'm talking about enterprise versus startups. And I wanna know what percentage of SaaS are in these different categories. I can use tools like ChatGPT to give me data points that can help kind of root those things quickly. So one of the first things I would say is around kind of using it as an effective research tool. The second thing is, I think that promptology, as I call it, I don't know if that's an official term or if I'm like going to like, like it. make it a thing, <laughs> but I think that is going to be one of the most important parts of the growth of AI. If you look at the venture capital landscape right now, you will see hundreds, literally hundreds of companies that are starting up and their focus is on how to make prompting more streamlined because you have this incredibly powerful tool, but as anyone who's probably played around with AI knows, the strength is often in how good your prompt is. And it's a very interesting thing. If you look at like visuals, like if you go to a company, like if you go to a place like Midjourney and it has those like public, Midjourney for anyone who's not familiar is how you create art. It's AI generated art. And if you go to a place like Midjourney, what you'll find, because they have these Slack channels, the people who are producing like incredible images, they have like whole paragraphs written out. It's like change vantage point to a whatever, whatever blur. And they're asking the question very, very specifically, right? And so another thing that is going to be really, really important as you move forward is learning how to ask the right questions, learning how to have 
uh, prompts that are structured in such a way that um, you get the actual result that doesn't, you know, oftentimes you submit with AI with chat GPT and you're like, you get a result and it's like not quite right. You're like, yeah, that's, that's okay, but it doesn't quite getting good at prompting is going to help you get closer and closer to that end goal. So promptology is another thing I think about a lot. The other thing I'll say is with AI, specifically in the context of email tools, I've noticed something very interesting, which is that the usability is also really, really key. So one of the things I've noticed being in MarTech specifically, so many tools wanted to rush to create like a chat GPT plugin, right? They basically just had like a box and it was like, write in a thing and it will produce an output. But there was no ability to actually iterate. So one of the things I was really stoked that AC did was in terms of it actually being usable, it's so much more usable if you can actually then give secondary feedback than like, oh, I create a prompt. It's not quite right. So I have to go back to chat GPT on a separate window and re like that's mm -hmm. super slow. So as you're thinking about implementing that kind of technology, that's another big thing that I would recommend for folks is to make sure that you're looking at the actual usability of that tech application and making sure that it's not just like we checked a box by adding our chat GPT plugin, which is going to be kind of the table stakes, but you're actually looking at, at the functionality. The final thing that I'll say just at a high level, and we can kind of drill into these is in this new world, unique data is basically the biggest competitive advantage that you can have, right? So companies that have access to large amounts of personal data, what that is going to facilitate is the ability for them to have really, really good AI optimized advice on when you should send, what type of content you should send, what type of subject lines convert, what kind of, you know, you run abandoned cart, but how many days between abandoned cart steps should you be doing it? And the discounts work better. We're going to enter an age where they're going to basically say, we just had a Black Friday and we had, you know, 5 billion inputs, 5 billion automations fired. And across all of that, here's the big data tells us that these are the best paths forward. So I think that is another thing that's going to be really important. You're going to find that the companies that have access to large customer bases and large data sets are going to be able to deliver to you, the consumer, to you, the creator, a much more powerful experience off the back of that. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I like that. I like the lens through which you're looking at that too. It's like, we're looking at AI to amplify existing workflows, to create efficiencies, not to replace creators. It's not going to make all of your content for you and be awesome and, and just exactly how you need it to be. But how can you, like, what's the leverage to be had here? What's the lever you can pull literally to uh, get yourself to that next level of efficiency, productivity, accuracy? And I mean, absolutely right, Casey. It's like, if you can't prompt um, AI correctly, it's like trying to build software without knowing how to code. I mean, it's just like you have to know how to talk to the machine kind of a situation. And so, um, yeah, we're actually dropping a really cool guide uh, by the time this episode launches. And it's all about building. Here's how here's the exact prompts that you input. It's, it is robust uh, to um, chat GPT to get like a style and brand guide that is consistent that you can consistently couple into chat GPT with a template for you mentioned like a card abandoned series or something like that. So it's like, okay, couple my exact brand and style guide with this template, personalize it. And the output will be a draft that should get you like 90% of the way there within your tone, tone of voice and your brand guide and everything like that. So um, 
please pick that up on our website, welevelupcreators.com if that's interesting to you. But if you can't prompt it, it's going to just be an exercise in unbelievable frustration. So uh, taking the time at this point when we're in kind of AI's infancy to learn how to feed the machine properly is going to give you much better inputs and allow you to recognize those efficiencies so much faster. And, you know, could become for early adopters in the creator economy, like a big strategic advantage uh, if you can amplify your work and maximize your work and things like that through the use of AI. 100%. Yeah. So, um, Casey, other than what we just discussed, what are, in your opinion, the highest and best AI uses for creators and online business owners? Um, and do those uses currently align with like the top, you know, couple of problems that y'all are hearing that creators are facing at this point and headed into 2024? Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. I think where I'll start is actually taking a step above it to start with what you should not do, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and that is that with these tools, it's going to be very, very easy to get lazy with your copywriting to basically say, oh, I have AI now. So like, I'm just going to basically churn out this kind of like very generic content. And if you're not using the right prompts, if you're not feeding it the right data, if you're not really trying to infuse your brand and what you uniquely know as the structure that leads that, your content is going to become filler. And so one mm -hmm. of the things that's super important is we already see this happening all over the SEO world, which was no surprise, right? Is that the amount of contact content out there has a hundred X because it's super easy to be like, Hey, write me an article about how this plus this solves this problem. Like there's going to be so much filler content yeah. that's out there. So the first thing that I really push and encourage folks, if you're going to use it, make sure that it is not in that generic capacity that actually cheapens your brand and hurts your trust, which as I've noted, I think is the number one problem that kind of sits at the top, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's where I would, I would kind of start as an avoidance. But after that, I think that the where the spots, I'll, I'll kind of get into the spots. I think AI can be really uh, useful. So one of them is kind of getting facts to support your claims, using it as a research tool, using it as a way to surface content and hopefully help you overcome that trust barrier with the authority piece. So I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole, but one of the things when I teach on social is I say, everyone talks about that hook that grabs attention. Everyone talks about like, how do you draw people in? But far few, fewer people talk about the authority piece. I've done a lot of testing around this. It's a simple example that I ran was I ran the exact same post. And I said, I talked to the CEO of, of Gainsight, Nick Meta, and we talked about XYZ, you know, challenge. And then I wrote that exact same post, but I said, I talked with the CEO of Gainsight who sold his company for $1.1 billion to Vista, right? And that second post that had that one little authority statement got 4X the views four times the exact same content because a lot of people are like we don't know like who the heck is they have no idea who the ceo of gainsight is that right. that means nothing to them but everyone can relate to oh they sold their company for a billion dollars that's impressive right. so i i think that it is very important as you build your content strategy to be thinking about how you're infusing in um that authority kind of component to it so that's one thing i'll say the other thing is I think that AI is going to become very useful as part of for, for forecasting, understanding like as a creator, as a small business in general, you have very limited time and you're going to have to make strategic decisions about where do you double down, right? Like I'll use an example, the past company I worked for, who I'm still a huge fan of is a company called Bonjuro that basically allows you to send short videos and it hooks into your CRM or your ESP. 
That's an amazing personalized touch that can help increase conversions and do all these great things. But you might not have bandwidth to send that personal video to every single person. So who do you send it to? Who are those best opportunities? I think you're going to find lead scoring is going to go through a paradigm change because a lot of people look at lead scoring and they're like, yeah, lead scoring is great. But my problem I've always had with lead scoring, I've heard this from a dozen businesses. I don't really know like what points to assign for what. Like what should, should it be one point for an email click? How, yeah. many, how much is a website view? Like I have no idea. Imagine mm-hmm. AI looks at that and actually uses billions of data points to tell you from looking at all your buyers and tracking all of this, I can tell you that click is worth four points. This website visits worth 1.3 points. It will do it for you, mm-hmm. right? And that ability to have accurate forecasting is gonna help you prioritize your time who do you pick up the phone and call? Who do you send that personalized video to? Who do you, you know, send that personal gift to to try to open up a door? So I think forecasting is going to be huge. And that also speaks to one of the major problems that I find with creators outside of that trust. And that's prioritization. I find there's this yes. huge challenge around like, what do I prioritize? Where do I put my energy? Yeah, as the founder, I could be doing yes. public posting or talking, but then I would take away from. So, so part of it is using AI to help guide you with actual real substantive data on where those opportunities sit. And, and similarly, I'll say it also connected to that, we'll start getting very, very good at another major problem, which is attribution. Attribution is a nightmare. I can tell you, I've been behind the hood of so many companies that constantly, every leadership meeting is just like, we don't understand attribution. Hey, there's this spike and we don't understand why. Hey, we did this thing, but we don't understand if it worked. Hey, marketing is mad because... They got all these views, but we can't attribute sales. So we're cutting off this initiative, but they still think it's promising. Like, I can't tell you guys how many meetings I've been a part of that go like that. So the ability to have something in the future that gets really, really good at helping you understand that through big data also solves another big problem. That's like, oh, hey, like, where should we be spending our ad dollars? What is actually um, kind of fundamentally valuable in in that capacity? And, And the final thing I'll say, which is cool because this already exists. This already exists in tools like AC right now is the smart sending and the optimization. And I just want to belabor, it's a small detail, but it actually matters a lot. The way that most people do smart sending is they say, looking at all of our customers, we're going to tell you that we think that this time frame is best because overall that one performs best. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is that businesses are so variable that it's that that feature just kind of sounds nice, but it's actually not really usable at all because the person who's selling to parents is just totally different from the person who's <laughs> selling to whatever, you know, like it, it just it doesn't make sense. So AC, because we have a large enough data pool actually individualizes that personalization, meaning that it's helping you understand what are the best timing and sending and, and optimizes to that based on your actual customers and your actual interactions, which I think is the future of where that's going. And I think is what is most valuable. So Those are a couple that I'm kind of like, you know, rattling out. I mean, there's going to be so many big shifts, um, I think, based on it. But I think that speaks to some of the major challenges that I see around trust, around prioritization, around where should I spend not only my time, but also my budget. Mm -hmm. I think these are things that AI is going to address. And that, I think, will be a big boon and help for creators. Yeah, and it goes back earlier in our conversation about like deliverability, open rates, click-through rates, and optimization of all those different things. So yeah, again, 
I would, I would challenge uh, content creators to think about AI again through that lens of how can I harness the power of this amazing new technology to increase my efficiency, productivity, prioritization, and optimize my existing workflow? Like how can we put fuel on the fire of what is going well and think about it that way? And yes, you have to learn how to uh, prompt, promptology. I like that. I'm going to use that, Casey. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that whole concept. And um, I'll take a quick minute to drop that. Uh, one, I mean, we at Level Up Creators are super doubling, tripling down on AI and helping uh, bring, make AI a lot more tangible, usable, and approachable for creators. I, I just said, you know, we're launching this guide that will help you create much more like hyper-personalized content that sounds like it's your voice. And again, gets you 90% of the way there. And we are also launching the Level Up Creators School on March 1st, 2024. And it is business school for creators. And AI will be a massive part of that. And specifically, I mean, here's exactly how you prompt to get, you know, prompt chat GPT to get exactly what you want. And it's all these very specific things that creators need. And it's harnessing the power of uh, marketing automation, both SMS and email and all the optimization of workflow, the maximization of content, dissemination through all available channel channels. And it's like, how can we use AI to do those things? We are going to teach you all of those things in addition to, I mean, business table stakes, but you're talking about like, it's hard to know what to do next, right? And especially if you don't have that big picture plan, that North Star that you're working to. So um, our business school for creators will be here to uh, guide you through all of that. And again, goal number one is to get our creator students uh, to 50K a month in MRR. So I'm super, super pumped about that. And just the AI education that we are making like just very, 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 very approachable to our audience. I love that. I mean, I think two things on that. Number one, specialized education is... I think in the age that we live in now is going to be the absolute best thing you can do. Like there's so many generalized principles, but each industry operates so fundamentally different that you really want to get in and learn from people that are at that one step ahead of you that can mm -hmm. help get you to that next kind of benchmark. So I think that's great. And obviously AI, I mean, any curriculum now that is not incorporating or talking about that, I think is going to fall behind. You know, I use the example in my yeah. industry, I say, it's going to be the difference of, you know, SaaS today is almost all on the cloud. It's going to be the difference. If you don't do AI, it's going to be like, you're like on-prem software. Imagine trying to sell, <laughs> on, we only sell on-prem software. It's like, that is going to be a nightmare for you. So learning how to use this is, is going to be, you know, so huge. And I'll, I'll just give a random example that I think is so cool to me. My dad, who runs a biotech company, who's almost 70 years old, recently called me up and he's like, I used chat GPT to write this grant and we just got it. And it's like <laughs> game changing for my, for our business. Well, and so he's not a super like tech savvy person, typically doesn't even really use his smartphone, but he's gotten super in to chat GPT because he sees that power. And it's so cool for me to see like adoption in his kind of area where he's not used to it, but it's yeah. already producing profound changes in his business because he's leaning into that. And so it's it's going to be, I think, a game changer for sure. That is so cool. Congrats to your dad. I love that. I love that growth mindset being exhibited there as well. Um, okay, two more quick questions. So um, love recommendations from you. Are there any AI tools in particular you are loving right now and would recommend to our creator listeners? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have like a massive spread of like, AI specific tools beyond mm -hmm. ChatGPT, but many of the tools that I use on a daily basis 
whether that is something like Notion, whether that's something like Buffer, whether that's something like Hrefs, all of them are incorporating in AI functionality. Like Notion will have things that can help you organize your sheet way better. And there's all sorts of like predictive posting and sending. So many of the tools that I use on a daily basis um, have incorporated those in. So I'd say that if you're, if you're not aware, if you're using something like Notion or ActiveCampaign or Buffer or Hrefs, and you haven't tapped into some of that AI capability, definitely yeah. encourage you to do it because it can help streamline your workflows quite a bit. Yeah, and that's exactly kind of what this whole second half of our conversation about is about. All right, last question. Um, what will be the most ubiquitous uses of AI in the creator economy and online business owners 12 to 18 months from now? From now, I want you to call your shot, make a prediction. Yeah, I mean, I think where it starts is kind of similar to what we talked about is I think you're going to have basically a lot of low quality content that is going to get shoved out into kind of the ecosystem. And then I think that AI is going to then become super involved in the personalization side of it. That's the biggest kind of like acute change that I see is going to happen. So this is going to be everything from your email strategy to how your payment page is laid out to talking, like basically targeting and telling you like, hey, this contact is the right person to ask for a review based on these 12 different behaviors mm -hmm. that we yeah. saw them do. So I think that to me is going to be the biggest shift. And I don't know if we like take that and, and put it all under the banner of, banner of like personalization. But when I think about like the creator economy and, and the biggest change that I predict is going to happen in the next 12 to 18 months is AI basically driving a lot of those modifications. Nice. Again, yeah. So more, more optimization, ampl amplification of existing workflow. Yeah. Oh, man, thank you so much for joining me today, Casey. I'm definitely going to break this up into two episodes. <laughs> um, do you have a quick parting shot and where can listeners find you online? Yeah, um, I would just say that it's one of the biggest takeaways that I have for folks in, in many different topics that I talk about is, number one, lean into thinking about amplification distribution. And we talk about that quite a bit on today's yeah. episode. Really encourage folks to do that. And number two is, give some serious thought to running an internal audit around that trust component. So look at your flows right now. Look at your content you post on social. Look at your emails and ask that question. What in this establishes authority or trust? And if you're missing that component, I encourage folks to split test and try to infuse in more trust and more authority. And that can be deferring to an outside use case, a research article, all sorts of different things you can do. But I think those two pieces will go a long way in helping you accelerate growth within the org. Um, and people want to get a hold of me, I'm Casey Hill on LinkedIn. I post every single day, sometimes twice a day. Um, so if you're looking for growth-oriented insights, um, that's a place where you can find them. I try to just share about what I'm doing firsthand and the conversations that I'm having firsthand. Um, so that's kind of my brand. So if that kind of stuff is valuable, go check out that. And if anyone wants to reach out to me directly, have any questions around active campaign, my email is chill. I'm, I'm always chill at wherever I work, which is kind of funny because my name is Casey Hill. <laughs> uh, so it's chill, C-H-I-L-L -L, at activecampaign.com. So if you have any questions, drop me a note. I'm always happy to answer anything I can. Nice. Super memorable. 
Time is precious. Thank you so much for sharing yours with us. Level Up Creators exists to amplify the voice, reach, and impact of creators making a positive impact in the world. With your expertise as our focus, our team of strategists, marketers, sales pros, product developers, administrators, and tech gurus handle the heavy lifting of building and optimizing a profitable business that will transform your life for good. Subscribe to the show and check out WeLevelUpCreators.com to sign up for our newsletter, that AI guide. Uh, but the newsletter, we share weekly actionable business tips for creators just like you. But again, get that AI guide. We also just dropped a course on creator income, memberships, and the customer journey. So lots and lots and lots of free goodies. But we will see you next time on the Level Up Creators podcast. Thanks. What could you accomplish in your business if you had an entire team of experts available to advise you on any aspect of your company whenever you need it? And what if you not only had this team in your back pocket, but the exact education you need to move your company forward available to you 24 seven, 365. Well, today's your lucky day because that's exactly what level up creator school is. It's a full fractional team of advisors that you have tremendous access to during the work week and the courses and trainings you need to take your company to new heights. For just a few hundred dollars a month, you can access the Level Up Creators Consulting Team, and there's no business challenge we can't solve. Check out levelupcreatorschool.com today and meet your new team.